Hey everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy, amongst other things. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about recessions and I'm going to be talking about is a recession coming and do we need one? This is not a video I kind of expected to make. I was sort of writing something along these lines and then I made two TikTok videos saying that we didn't need a recession. There was quite a bit of pushback, which I found surprising. So I wanted to, of course, make a full length video and write something to sort of address how I was thinking about it, how other people are thinking about it, and then also recognize that there are like two different thought points here. I wanted to highlight that a lot of these talking points are kind of emotional and it's really difficult to be 100% objective about it. I've tried my best, but of course there's probably going to be disagreement and I respect your disagreement if you do disagree. First off, humans are the economy. The weird thing about economics and the market is that bad things are sometimes perceived to be good. So Bank of America, the good news is that high frequency data is showing hints of job market cooling off. Job posting on Indeed are down 8.5% from the high of December 31st, 2021. Yikes, right? This is not really good news. It's good news in the sense that it's good that the labor market is slowing down so that there isn't that pesky problem of wage inflation, but it's terrible sense in the news that these are people, right? Economics is largely the study of humans and money. It's what we do with our paychecks. It's where we choose to allocate and spend. It's the companies that we build and the government regulating all that and stuff. And that's the system of the economy. In all systems, there has to be some sort of mechanism to implement just in case it overheats. So your microwave system has something that will automatically shut it down if the high voltage parts get too hot. The economy system has to operate like that too. And that's where we are now, right? Things are too hot. Our high voltage system on the microwave is overheating. We have mega inflation. Home prices are really high. 50% of the increase can be explained by work from home. Mortgage rates are ticking up, which might not matter. Retail companies are flashing red bells or at least bifurcating. VCs are doing bear market threads on Twitter. There are layoffs and energy costs are continuing to increase. Those are all signs of an incoming recession, right? Or some sort of downturn. But on the flip side, there's a lot of data that says that we're doing relatively okay. This is a tough statement to make because of course it doesn't feel that way for a lot of people. A lot of people are going through hard times right now, like job loss, priced out of homes, or maybe not even able to afford their grocery bill. And that's a weird thing to parse because you can point to this data and say, well, you should be feeling really good, dude. Look at these industrial production metrics. But the average person doesn't really care about that. So the Fed is stepping up to try and implement the mechanism to ensure that the economy system doesn't overheat any worse than it already has. They've already raised rates and now they're doing QT, quantitative tightening, the squeeze, the balance sheet diet. After two years of Bulking, the Federal Reserve is going into maintenance phase. And they're very serious about it with Lael Brainerd, vice chair of the Fed, stating that inflation was the number one priority and Jerome Powell hinting that the party was indeed over. So what is quantitative tightening? So as we all know, inflation has been raging. It causes a lot of uncertainty and worry because everyone is like, wow, I, you know, what's going on? I can't afford anything. And the Fed is responsible for fixing that. Their dual mandate is price stability and maximum employment. And the way that they control price stability and maximum employment is through their Fed toolkit. So they roll up, they do open market options operations, nudge the discount rate, the reserve ratio, etc. They've already whipped out their interest rate tool, nudging the Fed funds rate up by 75 basis points now, and are likely to continue on a 50 basis points per meeting path. And now they're pulling out their power saw, quantitative tightening. The Fed accumulated a lot of assets on their balance sheet during the pandemic. They swooped in to save the market, and that involved buying up a lot of securities, which resulted in their balance sheet swelling to $9 trillion. They need to shrink that now, and they do that through quantitative tightening. And it's important to understand that quantitative tightening doesn't mean selling right away. The Fed will 
will not be selling any assets as of right now. They will be reducing through roll-off. The power saw is set to one of the lower settings. They aren't letting that thing rip just yet. So what does that mean, right? Runoff. They're letting securities mature, roll off their balance sheet. There's not going to be a reinvestment of those proceeds. So for June, they're going to receive $128 billion in proceeds from maturing treasuries and bills, but only reinvest $98 billion of that, which means that there will be a $30 billion air pocket that somebody else will have to fill. And so there's a lot of questions left from this. Who will fill that $30 billion air pocket? What impact will the loss of a Fed buyer have on markets? There are worries that the loss of the Fed as a buyer will lead to turbulent treasury market liquidity, which the Fed themselves has highlighted. And is this even an impactful thing to do to try and stem inflation? The main focus is to essentially weaken asset prices so there's less speculative spending and ideally less spending in general. The estimate from the Fed is that $2.5 trillion of tightening will equate to about 50 basis points of rate hikes. So it's really more of a nudge-nudge tool. As we all know, the Fed can't plant corn. They can't make boats go any faster. They can only nudge things around to try and impact what people do. They can only sternly say, hey, stop buying so much stuff and attempt to normalize the forces of supply and demand. It's just how it is. The Fed discovered some of these monetary policy tools on accident, so it's honestly not super surprising that we're flopping around. And there are all these series and papers describing trade-offs and counterbalances and how the system needs this to function. But at the end of the day, inflation is high and people will likely end up losing their jobs in the process of bringing it back down. Could the Fed have moved faster? Yes, absolutely. And they know that too. But we are here now. So what's going on? Is the economy even doing okay? Inflation is a political weapon and with midterms on the way, the politicians have an incentive to make sure that people are feeling better. Biden said that he would be letting the Fed make these inflation decisions in their meeting earlier this week, but it was very much a, hey, what's this guy, Jerome Powell's fault. Labor costs have increased 8.2%. Worker productivity has fallen, both of which are not very good. People are hiring less. Small businesses are feeling the pain with payrolls shrinking by 91,000 in the most recent ADP report. Elon Musk stated that everyone would need to come back from work from home, which likely resulted in some people leaving. He then announced 10% layoffs and said he was feeling super bad about the economy. He indeed plays chess. But the pain is real. There are announcements of new layoffs almost every day at this point, with Coinbase actually rescinding accepted offers. Most of the newer job openings are in lower paying roles. Inflationary pressures are coming from industry concentration. The Beige Book highlighted that economic growth, along with price increases, were beginning to slow down. The personal savings rate has fallen. Consumer sentiment is low, and 20 million people are behind on utilities payments. 43% of BNPL users are subprime borrowers. Even some making 250K are living paycheck to paycheck, apparently. Natural gas prices continue to take up, making electricity, fertilizer, manufacturing, etc. more costly. Chicken prices are exorbitant, and Apple's privacy changes wrecked many companies, Tiger Global's in hell. And then you got Jamie Dimon saying that a hurricane is coming. But then there is data that shows the exact opposite sentiment. The private labor market is almost completely recovered to pre-pandemic levels, not the public labor market though. We have added a substantial number of jobs, no sign of a recession there. Unemployment is sitting at 3.6% and the prime age employment rate is really strong. As Brian Dees highlighted, we have seen the strongest labor market rebound of any modern recovery. And that's amazing. Excess savings are a huge stockpile. It's going to take a lot of spending to bite into the $2.4 trillion that people accumulated over the past two years, even if the savings rate has fallen. American Airlines raised guidance for Q2 under the expectation that people will be spending more to travel, which is a positive sign. Wage growth is slowing down, which is gross to say, but it's good from the perspective of moderating inflation and no wage price spiral as more people enter the labor market. CVX highlighted that we're not in complete demand destruction yet, so people are still out there spending, even though gas prices are super high. So it's slowing down. Prices are slowing down as we rotate away from goods into services. But once again, we are facing that mismatch between supply and demand. Things are good, but things are bad. I really liked how Jack said it, companies should be better companies. It's really easy to blame the Fed for everything going on, but like you can't blame the paintbrush company for a terrible 
terrible painting. Although if they sell you a bad brush, they are partially responsible here, but you're the one ultimately creating the thing and you have responsibility over it. VCs also have a responsibility to actually invest on a five to 10 year time horizon and not start shaking at the knees as soon as market conditions froth around. As Sharam said, you should have never bet on a bubble as your exit. But do we need a recession? I recently made two TikTok videos explaining that we did not need a recession in order to proceed as a society. It was surprisingly controversial. Honestly, it kind of upset me at first. The, you know, the key to content is having zero emotion, but obviously I don't. But as I thought about it more, I could at least see the argument that was being made along with calling me a capitalist pig. As a note, you know, I'm 24 and I viscerally remember 2008, but I don't have any experience really investing in a recession unless you count sitting on a high yield credit desk in 2020. I want to note that my earlier points about the economy slash stock market sometimes ignoring that humans need things, especially in the United States, which is a very zero-sum individualistic culture, makes some of these points mechanically icky. It can often be advocating for the downfall of others so you can climb a bit higher at the most simplified level. I also want to note that there are different types of recessions. Not everyone has to be like 2008. And if the main goal is economic slowdown and a minor system reset, that's different than millions losing their homes and their jobs. Inside of us, there are two wolves, the stock market and the economy. So first, the stock market. On sale, people seem to think that things will go on sale during a recession, which will open up opportunity for them to buy a home, which honestly it might not, or to get their favorite stocks on sale. There seems to be a conflation between the stock market going through a bear market, which yes, is a great time to buy stocks, and the economy going through a recession where friends and family lose their jobs. Ask any millennial who entered the job market in 2008, they didn't get ahead. Instead, they got left perpetually behind. In the dumpster, but some often seem to not consider the direct impacts from recession, including job loss, higher mortality rates, exacerbated inequality, which will directly impact said valuations of stocks. Homes are a different story, but a fire sale from the losses of others is a tough thing to root for. Also, banks don't lend as much, and the loans they do lend out will likely be at much higher rates. We already see Blackstone buying up nearly every real estate property they can, so even home fire sales are not promised. Things might be on sale, but it doesn't mean you can get access. The second point is policy. Mistrust. Gen Z, millennials, have a right not to trust the system. Authority keeps on failing us and everyone, and there doesn't seem to be a way out of that right now, and it's really difficult to tell what's true versus what's not. And then there's nihilism. This pops up a lot, especially in the finance universe. The New York Times had a whole article on it where many think that we're past the point of no return, where our policymakers have completely played the game in their own hand. A lot of people are advocating for total system collapse, and there is an element of accelerationism in that. Why not create more chaos? The system is already failing. And it's a tool. A recession is a tool. A recession would address the issues that we're facing and make people stop spending so much. It would freeze hiring. It would result in a slowdown, for sure. It would result in some sort of reset. A recession would pour cold water on the fire. But the problem is, when would the water stop? And that gets into individualism. There, that's really the core component of what's going on here. People are realizing that the world isn't really rolling out the red carpet for them, and there's a lack of perceived support from older generations. Why not step on everybody? And that gets into the third point, zero sum. Chaos is a ladder. Take the bad times to climb even higher. If others lose, I will get ahead. It seems to be what most people in the comments who want a recession are advocating for. I can get a house on sale or recessions lead to creative destruction, which like, sure, <laughs> sure. But it's very similar to burning down the entire house to paint a different color. There are other ways to create change other than just forcing wreckage. There's a lack of caring about others, which circles back to individualism. Working class people are most impacted by a recession. And there, but there's a sense of insulation that some people seem to have, which is very difficult to parse against what might actually happen. Kurt Vonnegut's quote encapsulates this really well. Thank you to Jesse for commenting this on Instagram. Americans like human beings everywhere believe many things that are obviously untrue. Their most destructive untruth is that it's very easy for any American to make money. They will not acknowledge how, in fact, hard money is to come by. And therefore, those who have no money blame, 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 and blame themselves. This inward blame has been a trend 
treasure for the rich and powerful who have had to do less for their poor publicly and privately than any other ruling class since the Napoleonic times. And this gets into leveling the playing field. When you're a young person without a home or kids, it's a pretty easy move to watch, to watch the world burn. There's an idea that a recession would do this, create equal opportunities for people to try and make it. It feels like there is no choice but a recession as a way to get ahead. There is an element of truth to that too. With that being said, there is a fair point to be made about zombie companies. We have a lot of very stupid companies that took both talent and money, and it would be very ideal to clean the brush from them and reallocate capital. And then there's corporate profits. It's also a narrative that companies have made a substantial amount of money on the backs of consumers, raising prices when many could least afford it. And that's honestly a whole different piece, but I want to highlight that this does indeed suck. Margins are falling, so this is changing, but the sentiment will likely remain. I think that the people who are advocating for a recession are doing a few things, conflating a bear market assets on sale with a time where people lose their jobs, advocating for themselves above others, thinking that cleaning the brush out of the forest should involve burning down the whole thing, and conflating innovations and recessions. Innovation does happen during a recession, but it doesn't need to be that way. Of course, Schumpter, I think I said his name wrong, and his thoughts on creative destruction come in where recessions are an adjustment to change and the phoenix rises from the ashes or whatever. We Forum has good thoughts on how to make creative destruction less destroy and to make sure it's more creative than destructive. So final thoughts, um, we're not in a recession. The recent GDP print was fluky from inventories and other drags, but most metrics are positive and encouraging. The labor market is recovering and is slowing where it needs to, so we don't get excess inflation. Things are broadly just very difficult and a recession isn't going to fix all of it. But I have sympathy for those who somehow think that a recession is the way to get ahead. It underscores hopelessness and frustration and anger that has become all too common over the past many years. It makes sense, but a recession is not the solution. The system needs to change, but burning it all to the ground will just create a pile of rubble. I also want to underscore that wealth inequality is a massive issue, and even to argue that a recession is good versus bad is a privilege. It's difficult, and many people much smarter than I wrestle with this every single day, but we can make it better. Some solutions I've thought of are, you know, stop companies from doing buy for rent. Private equity is like not the best thing to ever happen to the world. And there should be constraints on that. Hold venture capital firms accountable for what they invest in. For example, carbon credits are a fine start, but it's not the best way to solve climate change. As Brian said from Bloomberg, create better savings vehicles, modernize treasury direct, invest in green energy alternatives. So we're not as reliant on fossil fuels. And finally, care about other people. I know it's difficult, I know that we grow up in a zero-sum society and it feels like nobody's looking out for you. So why would you look out for anybody else? But the only way that we can make our world better is if we actually care about the world we live in. So that's what I would recommend for the people advocating for a recession, like a deep one, is that maybe just think about the world beyond you and imagine what that would feel like for them. All right. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out and I will talk to everybody soon. Very curious to hear your thoughts on this. So feel free to leave some comments below. I know it's very touchy and controversial and I appreciate you listening and I'll talk to y'all soon.